Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, my friends, uh, we are in fire in our hearts. And the prayer behind this series is simple. It's just a prayer of surrender. 2023 is all for you, Lord. We're giving it all to you. We want to see a fire build in our hearts. We want a deeper passion. We want a hotter faith. We want to turn up the heat, right? All right, look at your neighbor then and say, turn up the heat. I was going to have you tell him to get hotter, but I thought some of you take that out of context, all right? All right, yeah. Today's message Today's message is titled, What Has Your Heart? What Has Your Heart? And, you know, we've themed this series around the heart. We've got graphics. We've got sweatshirts, right, that say fire in our hearts. And, and behind all of it is, is this, it's this hope, yeah, to turn up the heat of our heart. But it's, it's really this, like there is a reality that something is competing for your heart. There are things in this world competing for your heart. No matter if you already know Jesus and have given your heart to him and you got the Holy Spirit in you, no matter who you are, where you're at, you, we have to continually learn what it means to give our heart to Christ because there are things in this world, there are idols in this world that are competing for our heart. You guys are aware of this, right? You know this, right? Now, we don't like the word idol, do we? Like, like idols is a weird word, but it's true. There's things that are competing for our heart. Anything that becomes more important to us than God can become an idol. So, you know, if we think money or success becomes more important to us, it can become an idol. If, if for me, if, I, if this church becomes more important to me than God, it can become an idol. If your image, if you think about that more than you think about God, your image can become an idol, right? These things that put, we put in front of God become idols. And so the truth is, is our heart, our heart is up for grabs. When we say yes to Jesus and we give it to God, it is, it is a, there is an ultimate surrender, but then there is a journey, a lifelong journey of giving it to him every day, giving our heart over to him. Because the things of this world want to come along and they want to grab a hold of it. You know, I want to tell a story. I was uh, a few months ago, a few of us were on the team were traveling to a conference actually in London, we were invited to be a part of something by our friends at Alpha, which is an amazing opportunity, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime deal. So we went and we did it. It was amazing to be a part of it. But you guys will never believe this. In our travels, we had challenges and flight issues. I know that's surprising to you in today's world. That never happens. But our, our airline lost all, all of our luggage, all five of us. We had no luggage, so we're going to be gone for a week. We have no clothes. We got no toothbrush. I don't have any extra shoes. You guys know that's a big deal. I only got one pair of shoes I'm trying to go with. So we went to the airline kiosk, of course, once we got off our flight to report our missing bags. We were very concerned about this, but we went up to them and we found out very quickly they were not all that concerned. <laughs> they weren't all that concerned. But the, but, the, but the guy did tell us, the attendant did tell us something very important and very good, some good news. He said, hey, listen, you know what? You, just, you can go buy what you need, just get some receipts, and we'll reimburse you for anything that you need until you get your bags. And we're like, okay. And I asked him, well, is there a price limit to this? Like, do we have some sort of price limit? And they just said, they just said, hey, he just said, get what you need, which was a kind of a weird answer. Like, how much can I spend? Get what you need. That's like very Jesus-y, isn't it? Like, well, what do I need? And you start questioning your heart. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, 
So then we ended up, we were like, we were, we were doubtful about the situation, so we called the airline back. We were like, hey, hey, so if I go buy some new undies and a toothbrush, you're going to reimburse me, right? And they were like, yeah, 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 just get what you need. And I said, well, is there a price limit? And they said, seriously, just get what you need. I mean, this is serious. It's becoming comical. And this is like my kids ask me, how much candy we can have? Get what you need. It's not, sometimes we don't need it, we just want it, Right? And I was like, okay, so we ended up going to the store, and we got what we needed, right? Well, one day turns into two days, and I'm like, oh, we, don't have, we didn't get enough. We didn't get enough. So we went back to the store and got what we needed again. And all the while, I'm surviving on one pair of shoes, guys. This is not, this is not going well. And so two days turns into three days. We get what we need. Finally, by the end of the third day, our bags show up, so the adventure feels over, right? Well, when we get home, I send in the reimbursements. And I am expecting the, because I've been worrying about what we really need. And I thought they were going to give us this ominous, like, airline life. <laughs> you didn't need that. <laughs> All the while, I'm, like, stuck with the bill, right? And so instead, uh, what happened is they gave us a notification back that said we had been approved for up to $3,500 per person in reimbursements. <laughs> Guys. Five people, that's $17,500 that we could have spent in London in three days. <laughs> Guys, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course, they told us when we got home. Get what you need. You guys want to, the moral of the story is, right? If the airline tells you to get what you need, you go hog wild, all right? When I found out that we could have spent $3,500 a person and we had just spent like $100 a person, don't you know I was a little disappointed? I was a little disappointed about this moment. I thought, man, what we could have done, I could have really got some nice shoes, really nice shoes. So I felt like I missed out on an opportunity. How many of you ever felt like you missed out on an opportunity? You know what I'm saying? Like you just missed something, you just landed, you almost landed the deal, but you didn't. You know what I mean? Like you almost got the girl, but you didn't. Like we miss out on those opportunities. And to be honest, I just want you to know I'm really glad that I did not know that we could spend $3,500 a person because something really unhealthy would have grabbed a hold of my heart. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole trip would have got hijacked. We would have been spending, you know, we would have, we'd have been having a, a ball. You know what I'm saying? So here's the truth, though. Like things can grab a hold of our heart really quickly. I mean, greed can grab a hold of your heart. Materialism can grab a hold of your heart. Lust can grab a hold of your heart. Anger can grab a hold of your heart. And I believe God allows us sometimes to miss opportunities so we'll miss the mess that comes with that opportunity. And so I know, like, I know if I would have known this and I would have had this information in my heart that I would have become someone I didn't really want to become. And so sometimes God's like, listen, I got you. How many times you're thankful there's, some, there's moments in your life you're like, thank you, God, for not letting me do what I thought I wanted to do. Thank you, God, for not letting me go to that place. Like, he protects us, right? He protects, what is he protecting? Our heart. Our heart. Believe it or not, even though I'm thankful for God's protection, I would have been like, God, I mean, couldn't it at least been like $1,000? <laughs> like, I didn't need all 17 grand, but, you know. I am going somewhere with this. This question, what has your heart? Because I do believe unhealthy things grab a hold of our heart. Because the world bends us. The world bends us into who it wants us to be. But the Lord is always trying to bend us into who he wants us to become. The things of this world can slip right past our obedience to Christ and grab a hold of our heart. 
we have to understand something about the human heart. The human heart is hardwired to worship. Do you understand that? It's hardwired to make gods. Like all of human history is the human heart looking and putting its effort into worshiping something, being passionate about something, being fired up about something. Like that's all it is. If you think about this, this is what, if, if we're not passionate about God, if we're not fired up about God or in love with God, we're going to be in love with something that is going to capture our heart, whether it be material or humanistic or anything like that. What we see is if it's not God, humans will worship something because the heart cannot be absent of some form of worship. It's not possible. The heart is hardwired for worship and for making gods. That's just the way it is. Think about the Ten Commandments. What's the very first commandment? Anybody know? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's, that's, okay, let me help you out. <clears throat> Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? He goes on, he's talking about idols at the very end, down there it says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. He doesn't want anything getting in the way of him. He's like, listen, you're going to have no other gods. The reason it's first, it's been said, the reason it's first is because all the other nine commandments aren't even possible unless you figure this one out. Like you got it, you have to say, I'm putting nothing before you, God. And one of the powerful moments in the book of Acts, we've been looking at, We've been looking at stories from Acts the last number of weeks. We might kind of depart from Acts moving forward. But in Acts 17, we have this powerful moment when Paul goes to the great city of Athens to have this sort of creative moment of confronting a city full of idols. And this is what it says in Acts 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting with them in Athens, he was greatly distressed. Everyone say distressed. To see that the city was full of idols. So you have a city of idols. In the ancient Greco-Roman world, each city typically would choose its favorite deity to worship. Now, they would have other deities in that city that they would worship as well, but there was one primary one. So in Athens, when Paul was walking through Athens, it was clear that their favorite deity was Athena. And so there was actually a, a, the Parthenon, which was built, and there's still the ruins today. I mean, this thing is pretty impressive to be built uh, maybe back in, as far back as 2000 B.C., 1500 B.C. And they worshiped the god of Athena, who was, if you will, the, the, the god of, uh, Athena was the god of, oh gosh, a wisdom. And if you think about Athens, <laughs> what would they be known for, right? So they are worshiping Wisdom. And all over the place in Athens, Paul would see other types of, of gods. And it makes sense. I mean, there was, there's, of course, Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty, Ares, the, Ares, the god of war, Artemis, the goddess of fertility and wealth. And if you think about it, our society is not fundamentally different from these ancient ones. Every culture up until today has its own versions of uh, our own set of idols, our own to totem poles, if you will, our own, our own rituals. Every culture has its shrines, doesn't it? I mean, whether it be Parthenons or skyscrapers or stadiums, we all have our shrines. We all have our versions of the God of beauty and power and money. We might not physically kneel to a statue of Aphrodite, which is the goddess of beauty. But many people, if you think about it, are driven and consumed by their image, aren't they? 
consumed by what they, what, what they look like, driven to eating disorders in the name of beauty. We may not actually burn incense to the goddess of Artemis, who is the goddess of wealth, but think about people who pursue money above all else, even above family. And in, their, and in some ways, we even sacrifice our children under that idol, don't we? Whenever we seek it above all else. And so when most people think of idols in our day and age, we think of that kind of thing, like these statues or these carvings or these, these actual physical idols. But there's something that is going on that we see in the scriptures in which there's a move. Yes, of course, there's that version of idols, but there's something else. And Ezekiel 14.3 speaks to it. God says this about some of those elders of Israel. He says, these men have set up idols in their Let's say that again. These men have set up idols in their hearts, right? And they were like, listen, we don't have any idols. We don't, there's no idols in our house. It wasn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a physical one. It was an internal idol that they were speaking of. In Greek culture, other cultures throughout history, they simply give a name and a statue to the same thing that we've made into little G's in our life. Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods, he narrows our cultural idols to four things. He wrote a whole book about these idols. I'll try to condense them into a really, a really quick thing, very dense thing into uh, just an image. And we'll start with this. Uh, this is your heart. <laughs> this is your heart. And it was funny because after I wrote this message, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I didn't even think about this, but Tuesday's Valentine's Day. There's hearts everywhere this week. Oh, this is, this is so cool. This is a God thing. Happy V-Day, you know, whatever. Um, so in this world, things will swirl around your heart. Everyone say swirl. Things are going to swirl around your heart, and they're going to try to take a hold of your heart in a way in which they would become the key holders of your heart. And, and Tim Keller, he, in his book, he actually identifies four that I think uh, are pretty common. If you were going to make a list of four cultural idols, you'd probably pick the same ones. And they're just this. They're just, they're just money, power, success, and love. That these things are four of the primary things that will circle your heart and, and look to capture it. And when I say these things, I mean, when I say love, love is obviously a good thing in the way we love. But this is more in the, in the, in the search for love and our reach for love and our need for love. So what needs to be said about these things, though, is that they're all a natural part of life, aren't they? Like, none of, these, none of these things are, you know, bad right off the bat. All of these things have a place in who we are and how we live. And, and, and they, they have the potential, though, to move in front or ahead of God in our heart. That's where they become dangerous. Anything can do that, but these four have, and the variations of these four, have for history done this in people's hearts, including in our hearts today, right? So again, they aren't bad, but they can be a bit tricky because are you allowed, for example, to prioritize making money? The answer to that is yes, as long as it's not before seeking the Lord and his plan for your money. Can you prioritize love and marriage? Of course you can, as long as you don't put it above your love relationship with the Father. Can you prioritize being successful at all you do? Of course God wants you to be successful at what you do, but not in the name of being unsuccessful at following Jesus. You see, can you prioritize power even? The answer to that is of course, because there is a type of power that this world no, uh, can, can experience that helps people, raises people up, casts things out, and even sets people free. God says, I don't want any type of power in you that is about selfish gain. 
He says, that kind of power is no good for you. I want to protect your heart. By the way, the story of the Israelites, after Moses had went up on the mountain and had the Ten Commandments given to him, Moses adds this addendum in Deuteronomy chapter 4. So a little bit more from the no other gods before me kind of thing. And this is what he says. He says, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Everyone say consuming fire. He goes on after that. He says, he's a jealous God. A consuming fire. Now, one of the reasons it's called a consuming fire, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of analogies we can run with and a lot of truth that we can run with around this consuming fire. But uh, when God's fire fills our heart, it's not only love and passion and conviction and excitement that will fill our heart, but he also does a refining work in our life. I want you to think of it like gold, right? We all kind of understand how gold works in fire. Gold doesn't burn up in fire. It melts, and what happens is the gold is refined, right? All the impurities are burned out, and everything's taken out to purify the gold. Well, I just want you to know something. In God's kingdom, his followers, his children, those of us who say yes to him, we are his gold. Like, we are the gold, right? God's gold, meaning whenever we go and have the consuming fire of God in our heart, it actually consumes the idols in our heart. This is why I love our, our image that we've made for this series with this fire in our heart. Is, you can go to the next slide. Is it actually starts to consume, if you will, these idols in our heart so that we will actually allow all that's left is the Father. All that's left is God. And he wants to do that in our heart. So I have a few questions for you to reflect on today. Questions that will help you identify anything that is competing for your heart. And if you're here today and you're like, ah, this is, you know, I mean, this is one of those messages, whatever. I would just say, I've been praying for just soft hearts today to receive this word. Four questions to help you identify anything competing for your hearts. Number one, what do you think about, what do I think about the most? Ask yourself that question. Meaning, what do you daydream about whenever you have free, available time? What comes to your mind? What effortlessly do you just love to think about? Is it money? Is it career advancement? Is it love? Is it success? Is it a you know, dream house? Is it hobbies? Is it vacations? What do you think about the most? Listen, you're going to think about what has your heart. Do you think about God ever and pleasing him? I mean, sometimes if you're just like, well, I don't really think about God all that much when I'm not at church. You just have to say, well, then what has your heart? Second question. I'm going to go through these quickly. What do I spend my money on? Oh, good. Here we go, right? Jesus, though, he addresses this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Which that statement alone is like a torpedo to the heart, right? It's like, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You're like, man, you're really getting up in my business now. Listen, it's not me getting up in your business. It's the word of God. It's the truth. It's what God's word says and his truth says. And he says, listen, I want you to know that I'm not asking for all of your money. He never asks for all of our money. He never says, I even want most of your money. It's not about how much do you give God. It's about do you trust God with his plan and his ways? Are you more about trusting your ways and your plans with your money? And see, here's the thing. God says, I'm not asking. So here's a good question is what do I spend my money on? Do you struggle to trust God's plan and the way he wants you to give your money, but you have no problem spending a lot on a car payment or a lot on material things? These sorts of, these sorts of tests in our heart are really important. And it's not for me to test you or prove you wrong. It's for you to ask yourself, God, have I given you my heart? 
Number three, what do I celebrate? What do I celebrate? What, what do you cheer for? What do you gain joy from? For many of us, we don't cheer for much outside of sports. For many of us, we don't cheer for much outside of some sort of selfish or material gain. And I'm saying what, we might celebrate people in our life, but do you have parties for God? I mean, I know that sounds weird, but do you have times when you celebrate what the Lord is doing in your life? Do you, do you spend time in prayer, like starting with God, I'm going to celebrate you? Like, what do we celebrate in life? And if we have a hard time celebrating the Lord, how, how can he ever have a heart? And then number four, what do I trust? What do I trust? Do you find yourself trusting, going back to money, in money, or the numbers adding up, right? Do you find yourself trusting in other people's opinions more than what the word of the Lord says? Do you find yourself trusting in no one but yourself? All types of things we trust in. Some of us trust in security measures or in government. Or let me ask you, do you know that you know that you trust in Jesus with all of your heart? Meaning you don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways you submit yourself unto him. So even right now, as I ask those four questions, I'm assuming there are things you're going, oh, ah, that might be true of me. And here's what I want you to know is like, listen, God is not asking you to be perfect with these four questions. God is not expecting you to be, but what I'm giving you is these four, and, and I think you need to take a picture, write them down. I don't know what you need to do to get these, these questions in your heart, is, and, and is that you need to spend more time with them because here's what I know. You need to identify the things that are swirling around your heart. And it might be those four, it might be something that's all, that's just a personal thing for you. I believe you'll identify the things swelling around your heart. Because anytime we think something will save us or give us the life that we're seeking other than God, it becomes an idol. So when we think that finding love will be the thing that gives us the life we want, or we think that money or success will give us the life we really want, we allow that thing to sit in God's seat. And it grabs a hold of our heart. Now, do I think that we are overwhelmed with idol worship in this room? Is that what I'm saying? You know, I don't know. I don't know what, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I know that I struggle with all those questions myself. And I think that I love the Lord as best I can and I believe a lot of you do as well. But I also know that there are things that are competing for your heart. There are things that are competing for my heart. And I know that many of us struggle with our faith more than we'd like to admit. Now, the good news is, praise God, some of us are experiencing the fire of God in our, in our, in our heart right now. We're, we're excited about it. We're fired up about it. And that's great. But some of you are more like, well, I don't know if I feel the fire of God. It's more like maybe affection. It's maybe like a hope. It's maybe like I want to. But fire of the Lord, not so much. And I know many of us struggle to feel, if you will, that fire for God in our life because our priority, if you will, is just getting through another day and another week. And we're like, I don't have time. Like, my life is full. And when I don't, and, and, I, and I was just thinking about this, putting myself in the, potentially the different places that people are in life. And I'm wondering if, as we talk about the fire of God, if someone doesn't feel the fire of God in their life, if you wonder, like, what's, what am I doing wrong? What's, what's wrong with me? Am I, why do I not have what they have? Why don't I even want this? Some of us are in a place where we don't even really want the fire. Like, we're kind of content with where things are sort of in the middle. And I know that some of us are just beyond that. We're just discouraged. 
what has our heart is discouragement. What has our heart is pain, hurt. So my purpose in talking about this today is not to make any of us feel guilty anytime we have a greedy thought or in a discouraging week or discouraging year. Or for us, even for those of us who are passionate about something else that we're like, is that of the Lord? Here's what I know. God wants us to be passionate people about many things in this world. He wants us to go after it, if you will, to be successful, to be a dreamer, to go pursue love. But he says it this way, but place no other God before me as you do it. Place no other God, endeavor, problem, person, passion. Place no other God before me. Listen, I can't do anything except make this really simple today. That's what God's word says. That's his number one command. That's what Jesus followed up when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the greatest commandment. Listen, he, he just wants your heart. And he will protect your heart. A lot of things want your heart, but only one thing can actually take care of it. This process of giving our heart to God is a lifelong journey. We're never done giving our heart to God. Look at your neighbor real quick right now to say, it's lifelong. It's lifelong. God is gracious and good, and he never expects perfection, but he is set on building a fire in your heart. I'm just telling you. He's set on that. He's like, I don't want it to be lukewarm. I want it to be white hot. That's why it says in Hebrews 12, 28, it says, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And I can infer here for all of our life, for our God, and he quotes Deuteronomy, is a consuming fire. Okay, so I want to end. We're about done. I want to end with Acts chapter 17. I'm going to go back to that. Remember, Paul is walking through the city of Athens, and he's invited after he's walking through the city to come and speak at a place called Mars Hill. So here we go. Verse 22. So Paul, standing before the council, which is at Mars Hill, addressed them as follows. He says, men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. Now, this is a really interesting sidebar point. He doesn't address them by condemning their idol worship. He actually comes along and he, he, he commends them for their religious kind of spirit in the, in the city. He actually says, hey, I know you have a heart that's bent on, uh, you know, worship, right? And that's a good thing. And then he goes on. So I think it's cool that he actually affirms instead of condemns. Amen. It's a good word for us. And then he says, for as long as I walk, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and uh, an inscription, excuse me, I got lost here, my many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm going to tell you about. So I love this again. This is like, this is like gospel sharing at its finest. He's like, he finds a window for the gospel and he's like, hey, can you just look through that window? I want to show you something. It's going to be really good. He says, this, 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 this thing that you have that you don't know about, I want to tell you about it because I think I actually know that God. And then he goes, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And I'm sure Paul's like, like that one right over there? He doesn't live in that. And human hands can't serve his need, for he has no needs. He himself gives uh, life and breath to everything. He satisfies every need. From one man he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided before him when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And then catch this line. Oh, my goodness. God did this so that they would seek him. Everyone say, seek him. And perhaps reach out for him. Everyone say, reach out. And find him. Everyone say, find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. 
Paul then goes on to explain Jesus to these people. But Paul, I love it, he kindly approaches the people of Athens. He says, this God that you don't know about yet, I want to proclaim him to you. I want to proclaim him to you. He, he is above all these other gods you've, you've tried to give your heart to. He's above them all because he's the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's the maker of you. And then he follows it up and he says, and by the way, he's not very far from you. He's close. He's near. And he wants you to seek him. Today, he is not far from any one of us. He's not far. God who gives life and breath to everything, including you, he's near. And he's created you so that you would seek him. He's created you that so that you would give him your heart. I mean, if you think about all that God has done to protect us, all that God has done to lead us, why would we trust in anything else? Why would we trust in the things like money? Why do we do that? Why do we struggle with that? Why would we trust in, in people rather than God? Why would we celebrate sports over God? Why would we do that? Why would we, why would you just continue to let other things become the desire of our heart? He has done everything for us. And if you know Jesus, he's done everything for you. Maybe that thing that you think about all the time that you're like, man, I wish I could have that. I wish I could be that. Maybe he's letting you miss out on that opportunity that you think you need. So he will, you will not have to deal with the mess that comes with that. He's protecting your heart. He knows better. And so we seek after things that he says, listen, if you would just seek after me, I will change the desires of your heart and you will know that I give life and breath to everything, including you. He has protected you. He has provided for your needs. God has proved himself over and over. For what purpose? Paul said it, to seek him and to perhaps reach out to him. I love the perhaps, by the way. It's your choice. Perhaps to reach out to him and to find him. So like I said, following Jesus is a lifelong journey of continually giving our heart to him. And if you are a believer, and I'm just going to say it real plainly today, if you know Jesus already, you still got to give him your heart. You got to give it to him again. And today may be an act of worship from you that you need to give him your heart again. It may be an act of recommitment. It may be an act of renewal. But... For some of us in this room, it's like, man, there's things swirling around my heart that don't need to be swirling around my heart. And I just want to say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Too many things have been messing with me lately, and I want to give you my heart. And you're like, hold on, don't you only say that one time? No, you say it, you say it every day. You say it every day. Every day we have to say, Jesus, I give you my heart today because my heart, my heart is vulnerable. My heart is susceptible to other powers coming and trying to grab a hold of it. And I want it only to be yours. I want no other gods before you. You are my God, and I praise you. I give my life for you. Mm. And then some of us, we need to do it for the first time. You, and, 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 and you've never had a point in your life when you've said out loud, Jesus, I'm making you number one. I'm making you the priority of my life. I'm putting no other gods before, before you. I am making you the Lord of my life. Some of you have never really said that. Maybe you've kind of teased it. Maybe you thought, well, maybe I just need to believe in God. Or maybe It's not just about belief that he exists. It's about surrender to the person of Jesus. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when he says that, what he says is we have to come and we have to say, Jesus, I believe who you said you were, you are. You are the Son of God come to save all of humanity. And whenever we say yes to that, 
Not just yes, but we surrender to it and say, okay, now you're my God. That's where we find salvation. That's when he says, you know what? I will receive you and I will make you the gold in my life. I will refine you with fire. I will take out the impurities and I will set you free. And so today, if you want to do that, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my life. That's all it is. And so let's pray together, right? Let's let's do this. Let's just give him our heart today. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. We just invite your Holy Spirit. Come right now, Lord. Come. Come into this room. Come Come into our hearts. We pray soft hearts in this room. Soft hearts that we would receive what you want to give us today. We pray against resistance. We pray against this deception. We pray against anything that, that, that the enemy wants to do to prevent you from working today. We just pray right now that, Lord, you would move in our hearts. If you want to say yes to Jesus, if it's the first time you've never given your heart to Christ, you're that person that says, I've never said yes to him. I've never surrendered to him. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And like I said, it just saying, it's saying, Lord, I want to make you the Lord of my life. No other gods before you. I want to say yes to you. It's a simple prayer. It's Jesus, I give you my life. And you can pray that right now. If you want to give your life to Christ today, if you want to get right with the Lord, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray that right now. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Pray that in this room. I know people are praying it right now. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say it to him. Maybe you make it even more personal and say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my heart. When you say that, listen, when you say that prayer, you are saying to God, I'm putting no other gods before you. You are saying to God, I'm making you the Lord of my life. You are saying to Jesus, I confess my sins. I know that I need you in my life. Just say it right now. Maybe you haven't said it yet, but you need to say it. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my heart. If you just prayed that prayer, you know, I just, that's a step of faith, and I celebrate that. And I'm so proud of you for taking that step to just pray that to God today. And I just love to know, because I want to pray for those who prayed that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, it's just me looking around right now. Would you just lift your hand real quick? Because I just want to pray for those who are praying that prayer today. I see you. Anybody else? Just lift your hand real quick, and I'll see you. That's good. Father, thank you for those that have raised their hand. A few in this room that said yes to you right now. Would you just seal this moment in their heart that they would just walk out of this place with a, with a full confidence that they've made you the Lord of their life. We celebrate you, God. For those of you that are here and you're just like, I just want to give God my heart again. I, I, I love him. I want the fire to build in me. And I just need to give him my heart. I've already given my heart to him in, in salvation. Now I want to give him my heart in renewal and recommitment and, 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 and an act of worship as we worship today. This altar's open. Our prayer team will be here and in the back. Come, pray with them if you want. Come, kneel at this altar and give them your heart today. You can pray in your seat, wherever you're at, as we worship. God, we give you these next few moments. It's yours. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship? This is a time of, a time of response and a time of prayer. This altar's open. Those of you that are getting ready for baptism, they're going to be heading their way heading out there right now, but the rest of us, we're just going to stay in this moment. Holy Spirit, we give you this time. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.